This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. A very good evening to all and welcome to tonight's installment of Beyond Governance. My name is Nimrod Mbele. Um, and I'll be with you until, you know, um, 17 hours, um, 19 hours, I beg your pardon. Um, and, and, you know, the show over the, over the past couple of months, you know, we really took some stock to reflect on critical issues and idea, uh, which we sort of come to, you know, punt, um, as a collective is to really nuance perspective around corporate governance issues by, 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 by really bringing you in-depth insight not from a theoretical point of view, but bringing you credible individuals who are in the middle um, as practitioners of corporate governance issues. Um, and and that, that, that for us, it came out as an issue that we need to really, uh, you know, celebrate um, as we, we empower, you know, and, and based on the comments that we're giving, we're getting from time to time, uh, we are able to impart quite substantially uh, insight or in terms of the challenges that, you know, executive or non-executive uh, members of, of, of corporations are experiencing. And, and, and that's quite a value add in terms of what the show uh, brings in. You know, um, if you have missed our last show, um, you know, you're more than welcome to go, you know, to the website, retrieve the, you know, the, uh, the podcast. Uh, you can simply go to www.highfm.com and navigate to, to locate the, the podcast and, and share your views and, and, and aspiration as to what is it that is appealing to you more and what is that we can change if we have to change. Um, for tonight's show, welcome your, your thoughts, your views. Um, our SMS line, as you all know, is 34549. And of course, my email address is nimrod at, at high Moving on swiftly, as you know, it's very important that we acknowledge those who came before us. Kathy has done a standing job. Sasha, Vusi, DJ Flo, and Mandy. Thank you guys for keeping you guys, for keeping everybody glued to their radios, uh, as always. And tonight's deliberation, um, you know, has to be around VBS. VBS has, it's a topical issue and it's at the, at the it is at the heart of corporate governance, uh, like any other Entities that you've seen over the over the couple of months or so on and so, but what the question is, what is new um, with VPS? I mean, when you look at from the banking perspective, I've I've just checked in terms of what has been other examples that we've seen at least over the past fifteen years or so. There were about fifteen banks that collapsed. I mean, you're talking an African bank that went bust in nineteen ninety five. Community Bank in 1996, Islamic Bank, Sunbow in 2002, African Bank, and now, of course, uh, you know, uh, uh, VBS. So the sense is that there's been a number of these kinds of banks that have gone past purely because of, you know, either leadership issues, corruption, maladministration, you know, obviously a number of issues that one needs to investigate and see whether what was at the heart of the collapse and in as far as the VBS is concerned, we've just picked up that 1.9 billion rand in some quarters, in some instances about 2 billion rand, they've been siphoned to benefit about, you know, 52 or 53 companies and individuals. But the question is, why did we allow this thing to happen? Surely we have enough control systems in place that are meant to challenge this issue, provide assurance to shareholders, stakeholders, 
and so on and so forth, it's almost impossible to think, at least in hindsight, as to why these kind of issues are happening. But I don't have the all answers. I'm joined in the studio by John Matheson uh, and Justice Ndaba, who will give us a bit of a perspective from where they're sitting as to what could have gone wrong. I know we're looking at this in retrospect, but be that as it may, I'm sure there are a lot of executive and non-executive uh, officials or ex- you know um, members of the community who are battling with these kind of issues. So tonight, perhaps maybe, we'll have some kind of a solution in terms of where, what is it that I see? I see justice like, hello, you know, bring it on. Uh, on that note, colleagues, have a, um, how are you? Justice and, and Joanne? Good evening, Doc. How are you? Good to see you again. I couldn't be better. Joanne, it's been a while. It Indeed it has. Nice <laughs> to be here, Nimrod. Thank you very much. Um, now, um, now that you've gone through the niceties, um, the very first starting point is, how did you get here, Joanne, from VBS? How did you get here? Well, I think it's not one event. It's a series of events. So I think it starts with the key shareholder, Veli Investments, being the major shareholder. And in terms of the Companies Act, the major sh- the shareholders has the right to appoint at least 50% of the board. So the shareholder is likely to elect board members that serve the shareholders' agendas, particularly if the shareholder has a nefarious agenda, they control the board. And if they don't like what the board is doing, their remedy is to change the board. So if they don't have the best interests of the bank at heart, that is what a nefarious shareholder is going to do. And by the looks of it, another key shareholder was the PIC. They managed to get certain individuals there to do their bidding. They then got KPMG as an auditor, and they found somebody there who colluded with them. And so the the network of patronage and corruption spread further and further and further. And I think as it spreads further, people feel safety in numbers that they that they will there will be um, no consequences as as it's very clear our justice system is broken. Uh, we have an example, and it's hard to prove things. I mean, if we look at the Steinhoff debacle, it's almost a year later. Just uh, uh, Marcus Euster is still enjoying life to the best of um, my knowledge. Nobody's uh, gone to jail yet. And so I think also when somebody is very powerful, they have a sense that this party will keep on going. But but can I just come in? You know, what what is very difficult, almost impossible to comprehend, is that we have sufficient case studies in the country around, you know, this kind of collapse, um, the shareholders' act- activism. I mean, maybe let's take a step back. We have well, the you know, well-renowned uh, Kim Fo around what constitute good practice. Everybody has gone through the kind of, you know, program um, that, that elevate the level of consciousness. Um, and you would see there's also precedent around, you know, the start of this, of this world. Are you therefore assuming that executives or even the shareholders in these kind of entities would continue with the cause of impunity, uh, whereas their colleagues were found wanting I think, unfortunately, with good ethics like King Four, the people who are going to act with integrity anyway 
are the people who will look at King Four carefully. And being a principle-based document, they will ensure that the practices that they implement to give effect to the principles will reflect the principles. But if a company or shareholder or board doesn't see any value in it, they'll either fudge it or take no notice of it. Because if you don't abide by King Four, there are no consequences, no material consequences that are going to happen to you. You know, King Four can't say, well, we'll take you to jail for this. I mean, even if you look at a JSE-listed company, it's a listing requirement to comply with King Four. But if you don't, then what? I mean, they're unlikely to delist you for non-compliance with King Four. It would have to be something pretty serious to do that. So that's a hard balance when you're dealing with something that's principle-based. Let me bring justice. 1.9 billion, 2 billion, it's not something to sniff at. Your take on how did we get there? Well, uh, Doc, I think I must corroborate um, some of the issues that uh, Joanne touched on. But for me, if you look at the VBS saga and the common thread with Steinhoff, is that throughout both cases, um, the financial statements were issued. I mean, in VBS case, for instance, the financial statement of year ending uh, March, March 2017. 2017 was signed off. Um, and then <coughs> continuously... A VBS as a mutual bank is supposed to, they have issued and complied with their monthly uh, 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 regulatory returns that they kept sending to the, to the registrar, right? But this is a classic case of that, um, even professionals, everybody has a price because the curator has illustrated that these highly qualified individuals through a chain, if you look at m most of the transactions and the payments to these individuals, each of them from the, uh, the gentleman that was, uh, that signed off the, the AFS, uh, from KPMG, he got a payment, uh, for that, just for him, t for his signature, he got paid. Um, and, and, and everybody else within VBS, everyone receives some sort of payment, uh, and people sacrifice their careers for it. So what happens is that there was a lot of concealment. So people issued all of the compliant reports, but of course they got paid for many of them. So that by the time that the, uh, uh for instance, the, uh, 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 the, the authority found out, it was a year later. And this is why the, the, then the curator was appointed almost a year later because they went back, uh, and it came out by chance when it was found out that, uh, uh, for instance, the Prasa lady CFO, who then, there was a billion rent expected from, for Prasa to deposit this. And then she, they started looking at, uh, VBS financials, but says, said, you want one billion rent from us and yet your assets are only equivalent to a billion. That's when these things started coming through. And then the investigations now with the curator reveal that the road runs deep. And hence, uh, we are where we are. What, one, what would pick up that, obviously, the control environment on the side of um, everyone else? I mean, I'll start with the bank, the Reserve Bank. Um, I'll look at the shareholders. I'll look at the executive. I'll look at 
senior management, um, the almost, you know, this is it's quite evident that uh, the environment has not been that coherent across the board. But personally, let's start with the, with, um, you know, Reserve Bank. When you look at the Amadou's report, it's very clear that had the bank um, acted with, you know, care and well in advance, they could have arrested the road lot earlier. Mm. Um, why wouldn't that be the case? Because the bank's job is to provide oversight and is to provide, you know, in, in, in acting like that, um, the expectation is that, you know, investors and shareholders would have some level of confidence. But if you don't have confidence in biggest institutions such as the you know Reserve Bank, with all the kind of resources one can ever think about, because it's not a question of skills, mm. it's, it's, there's no issue about capacity, there's literally every single support mm. that one may look for. I want to understand, and I will show you, everybody wants to understand, that why would the bank, such as the Reserve Bank, failed to conceal this kind of rot? Um, and the question is, had they been diligent enough, surely they would have arrested the rot a lot earlier. So on your take on that? It certainly <laughs> seems like they weren't diligent enough. Mm. Uh, there could be a number of explanations. One is that it was a very small bank mm. with a very low profile, and the Reserve Bank was probably focusing its attention on bigger banks, especially with all the the hype around Capitec. I suspect a lot of their mm. resources went to Capitec, and I think it's still a little bit of an unknown quantity whether uh, Capitec is going to be fine long-term or not because all those reports uh, did taint its image, and it's done a sterling job in in, in trying to, to rectify everything, but we don't know. I think history will only tell us in time. But I think also, I mean, if you take a comparison with public sector com- uh, companies or state-owned uh, um, or just public sector enterprises, if you look at their annual reports, there are huge amounts of irregular expenditure, fruitless and wasteful expenditure. Mm-hmm. And in some cases where the rot is deep, the next report is the same, and there may or may not have been consequent management, and it goes on. So I would imagine the same type of oversight is happening with the Reserve Bank, that maybe they pick up something, they make a comment, and then there isn't enough of um, a deterrent to really make them make a concerted effort to make it not happen again. I think also coming out of things like Steinoff and many other cases, there are certain red flags that should have been adhered to. For example, there were intercompany loans Mm. and very complex financial structures. And in this day and age where disclosure and transparency Mm. are a key issue, to try and understand that the bank should have been more diligent and got a better understanding of that. But to go back to Steinoff as as well, where there's collusion and the bank is given information that on the face of it looks correct, it's very, very hard to detect collusion. So I think, again, it's a complex issue with a number of factors playing into it. One of the critical issues that maybe, um, you know, Justice uh, personally just might shed light on is, you know, when you look at all these shenanigans, mm. auditors are always found wanting. And unfortunately, this time around, KPMG was found naked once again. But the question is, um, when the the auditors 
are giving an assurance of you know signing off on the audit financial statement. What does it mean? Because we have seen it over and over again where there's been um, you know a, a collapse of of control. Auditors would have given an assurance um, moving forward, which means we're no longer going to accept audited financial statements. What else needed to do? You know, just to go deeper. You know, and 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 really um, read these things differently. Such that mm. we are able to say, well, what we see, it is what it is. Well, for me, governance failed here because if you look at Mr. Matozzi, who was the chairperson of the board of VBS, uh, one, at the same time that he was the chairperson of VBS, he was also the chairperson of Vele. You know, <laughs> and also, Mr. Matozzi conveniently happened to have worked at KPMG, right? And then you get the audited financials signed by Mr. Sipo, um, I forget his surname now, uh, uh, who happens to have been a colleague of Mr. Matozzi previously at KPMG. Now, collusion starts there, you know, because there is all this conflict that Joanne is reflecting to, that if you look at the 34 payments, some of the 34 payments to Mr. Matozzi's companies, uh, where he insisted that the, the executives must write off all of the debts, those debts on their own amounted to over 248 million rents. You know, so at that point, we should have uh, really, really picked it up that something is not correct. One, I mean, you cannot chair the same company as a majority uh, shareholder, and you, you, you are the chairperson of the, There's no independence there. There's the, there's the first conflict. And how is it that in that year also the AFS that are signed, remember, there was no finding. They made no uh, 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 finding on the AFS. So in, as far as the SARB was concerned, everything was okay. And all of the monthly regulatory reports were okay and signed off. So for that, I mean, there was nothing that, but my point is that we could have gone back to look at the governance structure and see that many of the individuals concerned had too much of a history to be able to collude. My, my point exactly, got, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Justice, in that um, you would have expected that you know, one of the majority shareholders, which is PIC, it owned about 27%. Um, in, in 26. A, 26%. Mm. Uh, you would have expected um, that kind, because they've invested in so many entities. Um, they have a massive wealth of experience over time in terms of what constitutes proper. At least we are meant to believe that, you know, pension funds that runs into trillions is, is being held by entities that is knowledgeable, competent, and has check record of investment. You would understand that based on what you've alluded to in terms of, you know, these, these previous transactional relationships would constitute risk. Yes. And one would have part of the mapping of the risk. One would have identified the patterns and say, but wait a second, you know, and which begs the, which brings to, begs the question, um, what has been the role of PIC in controlling and ensuring that the investment um, um, is, is, is managed correctly. There are two non-executive uh, directors that they put on the board, right, which 
obviously uh, uh, from at least from where I'm sitting, they had no connection with any of the other directors before. And yet, they are both of them, um, in the uh, uh, Advocate Mutawi's report, receive 7 million rand each now by payment. So, meaning that, you know, if you could not collude, you get paid out somehow. Sure. You know, it, it, they are one of the 54 names. The two non-executive directors that were placed by... But so PIC. even PIC, PIC, well, PIC didn't get any money, but the individuals got the money. So they were paid out, to, 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 to which is one of the findings of the advocate. Nibirada, I think PIC in itself is a huge problem. I mean, there have been reports now for many years about them making a lot of questionable investments, particularly in unlisted Entities such as the Independent um, and various Gupta-linked uh, mm-hmm. companies. So to think that the PIC has the right uh, controls in place, I think there's ample evidence mm. to suggest that they don't have the right controls in place. Um, also, what has come out from the report is that VBS did uh, made loans with, uh, without doing proper uh, credit checks, and then when the loans weren't serviced, they took no action. So that, again, uh, uh, points to collusion. Also, I think the to go back to the auditors, I think this is one of the most shocking parts of the revelations because very few companies would think to question the independent auditor's report, Mm. because the mandate of auditors is not to act in the best interest of the company. They have a public interest Mm. mandate to serve the public. And so it would be something really in your face that would make people question the independent auditor's report. So for me, that is one of the most shocking things uh, to rectify, and I think if you look at some of the soul searching in KPMG, they have now decided to to reconstitute their board differently, mm. to have independent directors on their board, to create a proper entity and governance structures. I mean, if you look on the websites of all the big four audit companies, you won't find financial statements. These things should be open mm. to the public because they have a public uh, interest duty. And if their own affairs aren't in order... It does. How do, you, how do you provide assurance to the public? Exactly. So that's why for me, the role of the auditors failing is one of the most serious mm. of all. On that note, let's take a break. We'll come back in a second. This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. Welcome back. It is almost 20 minutes to 7 o'clock. It's amazing how time flies when you're having a very interesting conversations with well-informed individual. Talking of well-informed individual, we've got Joan Madison from, Meta- from um, Accurate. Accelerate. Accelerate. Michael, fund. I beg your pardon. <laughs> Accelerate uh, Property Fund and Justice Ndaba from Knowledge Inkers Group. Colleagues, once again, before we went to the break, we were talking about the sword questions, you know, because we've picked up that, um, you know, uh, the report came out um, pointing fingers to certain individuals. Um, the question is, how do we, you know, what's going to happen from a creditorship point of view? Are we likely to recoup the, the losses? 
And and if you're going to recoup the losses, what's going to happen? Are we going to see VBS at some point being wound out uh, completely because because there's, there's not, it doesn't have any assets anymore? Uh, what's going to happen to you know um, the kind of liabilities that they've incurred as a result of these fraudulent activities that they that took place? Justice. Um, thank you, Doc. For me, really, uh, uh, can I take you back slightly uh, uh, to? Um, what I, I think is an interesting report by the um, advocate Mutau, and he make about four, and I, I, I would come to your question now. If you look at what he did as findings, he says, look, uh, one of the first findings that I've made is that certain individuals got rewards for participation. In mm. other words, between certain people who were executives to certain people who were um, board members. So what they've done is they've structured the governance structure to ensure that this complexity uh, 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 is handled in other between reports and all of these things. Then he said, look, part of the um, uh, second finding, he says, look, these guys went on a deliberate uh, campaign to attract these uh, deposits from municipalities and state entities. Okay, And through that, they paid a whole lot of commissions to certain individuals who uh, held positions of influence, and there are many of those. I mean, there's a whole lot of commissions, so-called commissions, that were paid to people who would influence that municipalities pay uh, deposit into VBS. And there's a lot of money that that went into In fact, the only municipality that... Uh, paid about 68 million rands and later on retracted and actually it demanded the, the, the payment back was uh, Capricorn municipality. Also because the acting CFO, a lady called uh, Mariette Fenter, uh, saw it coming that this is illegal. And in fact, for her, ultimately she was also suspended because uh, uh, she insisted on the payback. All right. So, so, so we needed people like that. The second part, the third finding was that the banking systems was, 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 was manipulated to create enormous, uh, fictitious deposit in favor, in particular of Vele and its associates by buying into, uh, different entities. And in that, they also were given a lot of overdrawn banking facilities, you know. So, in 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 the in so so all of this you can see that there was a clear fraudulent uh, uh, campaign by in particular the Vele uh, associated individuals if you look at how the money was was taken out of the company because if you look for for instance the some of the the, the purchases of shares including the the the, the, the purchase of shares of of PBS it is alleged that the 80 million that was used to buy into VBS itself, there was no. What they've done is they, 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 they created a, a slush fund of some sort, and there was physically no money received from Vela into to buy that those those <laughs> the, the the shares you know ultimately of VBS. So even it is questionable to even say that do they correctly own um, the majority shares into VBS as we speak. You know, so that in itself is a problem. It's fraudulent, uh, according, allegedly, obviously. You know, and and my point as well that I had said previously is that, what do you do when you have, at least, eight individuals that were chartered accountants, 
between the executives and some of the board members. And between them, and, and about five were attorneys. So you know you were dealing with highly, highly qualified individuals, both from the board and from the, from the executives, who knew exactly what they were doing in terms of ensuring that we, uh, the, 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 the fraud that went on was concealed because they conceal it by being compliant in terms of issuing correct reports, issuing correct uh, statements, issuing all of the things that were needed by the, 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 the authorities and the bodies that required reports. If you go back, all of those reports were submitted and they were found to be above board. Only now, when in retrospect, when the curator begins to go back they found all of these forms, meaning that we have to go back and reissue the, the, the 2017 AFS. But, but how did you get to the point where, and I, I hear that there's been a lot of concealment, whatever that was presented by management to the board was, you know, the board was misled. That's why in some instances people say, look, well, we acted on the basis of what we had, and what we had was, was not a true reflection of what was happening. No, but here yeah, the board we and misled. the executives were the same people, literally. My, my, my point exactly, because these are some of the things that the likes of PIC should have seen it, because um, when you look at the, the division of labor, the board, at, at you know, the, the interface between the board and executive, surely when you have had the kind of run PIC have had in the past, Though that immediately that should ring alarm bells that look something's not kosher here. But the PRC doesn't want to ring alarm bells. I mean, if you look at what I said earlier about how many questionable investments they have, how much they've supported the Guptas, I don't think the PIC has got any credibility. And in fact, if you go back as far as Enron, Enron's integrated report. Uh, or annual report, as it was called at the time, ticked all ticked the, boxes. the boxes. So, um, and if 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 I look at Eskom's reports over the past few years, if if I looked at them in terms of the boxes they had to tick, and I read newspapers, one of them was Cloud Cooking Land, either the newspapers or their integrated report. But if you just read Eskom's integrated report, it was a very good report. It was mm. well constructed, well, exactly. well informed, but it, it just missed out several crucial facts. So I think it goes back to the key point that, uh, integrity is principle based. No mm. amount of rules exactly. is going to make somebody a person of integrity. Mm. At the end of the day, you've got to make it easier to do the right thing than the wrong thing. And that, unfortunately, in many cases, happens in very democratic countries mm. with a sophisticated level of education and where you don't have the level of income inequality that we have in this country. So these are really macro problems that have to be dealt with. By adding more rules and regulations, all you're going to do is drive people mad and want them to see how do we get around it because we want to run a business. We don't want to spend 80% of our time on compliance and doing mm. rules where we can't see the value in it. But, but what, if, you, if you're about to provide public confidence, what else? Because, I mean, and I agree with you that, you know, values is not something that can be, um, you know, orchestrated by law. It's something that almost like there's no difference between 
your values as an individual and, and business values. Values are values. Yeah. Um, you ethics know, ethics, are ethics. ethics. Oh. So, but how now that ethics are broken almost daily by executives, now that every report that we see, whether integrated report, financial, audited financial statement, there is no integrity. Almost have to think twice when you look at these things. And, and how do we now bring back the confidence? Remember, the implications of these kinds of reports, um, and, and, and they have material implications, you know, in terms of vote, in terms of voter confidence, um, shareholder confidence, and the well-being of entities, let alone the country. So we need to get to a point where we are able to provide confidence. How do you provide confidence when the, sub- the submissions, uh, we don't know whether the submissions are kosher or not? Well, the only way really, uh, it's, it's, a, it's not an easy <laughs> question. It's integrity, yes, but probably if more transparency is, is, is required, by, I, I agree with her point to say many of these entities, you need to begin to see all of these um Maybe, maybe more more criminal. I, I would venture to say there's consequence management. You know, that if must the happen. more if you have, if you to have, for an example, the standoff. Initial we started with standoff, mm. that um, which is you know one of the biggest scandal in the country. Had we had more robust um, prosecution, um, that creates precedent that this kind of unethical behaviors cannot go unpunished. Um, and the chances are, you know, all the perpetrators at that level, because there are a lot of complexities around, you know, loans from this company to that company, that kind of infra, you know, infrastructure, you know, it's not easy to comprehend, mm. and it's easy to conceal a lot of stuff. And in that process, justice is denied in the sense that those that were, at least, you know, from a layman point of view, were, were guilty, and nothing's going to happen to them. And in that, you know, it creates the impression that, if you're able to conceal the kind of shenanigans, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be, you know, you're not gonna get caught. If you don't get caught, and, and it does create more and more precedent for those like the VBS. Mm. Because ordinarily, you would have said, what has happened, you know, with the likes of VBS, with the likes of Stanov and African Bank and so on and so forth? Um, all the executives, even the shareholders would be more cautious, you know, and would, would apply more controls you know, to, to, to verify the submission and hold executive to account. I think I agree with you actually in many respects, but I also say that, I mean, um, we, it, it is clear in my mind that we need the prosecuting authorities to be capacitated. I mean, in the past when we had successes, whether during the days of the Scorpions and so on, we, you had a very strong commercial unit in the Scorpions, for instance. Um, I don't think this, there is the case now because those, because you, if you want to do that, those prosecuting authorities need to have very astute and highly skilled, uh, forensic auditors, forensic uh, investigators, uh, commercial, uh, prosecutors and lawyers. And we have hemorrhaged those skills in the prosecuting authorities at this point, which is why in many instances it takes a lot of time for them to be able, I mean, in this case, like VBS now, when the report, preliminary report has been issued, uh, by now the prosecuting authorities should be studying these reports seriously and, 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 and being, beginning to, to put evidence together and prosecute individuals criminally, civilly, 
because, I mean, the DCs are internal, but criminal prosecution and civil prosecution is in the hands of the prosecuting authorities, which really, by now, the report is a public uh, report, isn't it? Yeah, of course. It, it, it's not been challenged. It's mm. in the process of being challenged, but at least it's in the public domain, in which case, by now, they should be really, really beginning to, 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 to challenge certain individuals. But, I mean, I heard the other day, two days back, that um, Mr. What's his name? Uh, uh, Mazonga is still throwing down on some of, of, of their accounts. Instead, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, by now. That's ludicrous because you exactly expect the point. To, be, to have been frozen already. Exactly the point. Because for that to be frozen, it, the, the prosecuting authority should have by now applied for the freezing of the, some of these assets. But what does it mean ultimately in terms of King 4? Because, um, we, we, you know, we have this very sound, um, you know, uh, principles that, that needs to guide the investment environment, that needs to guide operations of business. And, and the, the, you know, when you look at, you know, Steinoff as well as VBS, you know, they were completely, um, unrelated, if you like. How do we restore confidence, um, using these, you know, codes as a best practice? Well, I think it starts with how you appoint the board. And I think you have to have a proper independent nominations process and that requires an analysis of what exactly the skills are and expertise that a board needs. Go through a proper transparent process and once the board is in place, you, um, you then set the policies and the standards and that culture must be, uh, Cascade it down to the organization through the CEO. But if you don't appoint the right caliber of individuals, then you have no chance. And if your institutions like the criminal justice system aren't working properly, then you have to rely on brave people and brave institutions like Corruption Watch, uh, Ethics South Africa, uh, various activist institutions, uh, that do, that, that act on behalf of civil society where other things are falling down. And in many cases, that is how change comes about. Can I just throw a speck in a, in a yes. word here, Joanne? Because, you know, ultimately, what really needs to happen, um, in us understanding the complexity of this issue is that the shareholders and executives, from a value point of view, because the shareholders are expecting executives to perform. And, Performance, ultimately, it is by hook or crook, you know. I think that's where the values need to come in because you can have sound uh, recruitment and selection with competencies and skills, everything that are above board. But for as long as you're not going to inculcate a sense of sound ethics and, and you know, consequence management um, from the shareholders, because truth be told, executive under pressure to perform, shareholders want the returns. And, and, you know, by virtue of pushing the numbers, um, you know, half of the time shareholders don't begin to even ask the question on, on the extent to which the kind of revenues or the, the modality, um, which were used to, 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 to bring this kind of revenues. Because if you miss that point, um, I think we're missing the plot because you could have all the standoff. They've had the cream de la cream. What was missing was the values, the shareholders. Yeah, I agree with. For me, I think at this point, the 
the accounting profession, chartered accountants, the uh, legal Auditors. profession, uh, the professional bodies of these, the legal guys and the, Auditors. the chartered accountant guys, by now they should be looking at themselves and saying, we really need a revamp. Because that's where, if you look at all of these, the common threads are that all the monies, all the scandals, many of them happen um, through many of these two professions mainly because the legal guys were there and they manipulated things, they chatted. I mean, look at the, the, the VBS story. The, 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 uh, the, 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 the CFO, uh, Mr. Truter, was found to have manipulated what is called the EMIT system and created through the system suspense accounts. And that how this, all of these monies were pushed and where you would, between the accounts, move around the monies. And that was, that all of that happened through the CFO. And the, the numbers were crunched between the CFO and, uh, CIPO. You know, so, so, so with the chairperson of the internal, uh, internal audit person. So all of these things, uh, uh, we need to, all of us look at ourselves and say, as professional bodies, what are we doing? Because we all need to look at ourselves and say, look, we really need to, if in order to regain public trust, look at ourselves and clean up within our own professions. In other words, by now they should be charging or, or uh, deregistering some of these individuals or invest, making their own, inv much as we expect the prosecuting authority to d conduct an investigation. The professional bodies by now, there's about eight chartered accountants involved. They should be uh, the the Saika and all Saika of these started. other guys. They have started, mm. yeah. Saika have. Kudos to them. You know, the legal profession. They should be investigate their own individual members, as well. You know, and 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 and, and come up with really harsh uh, uh, consequences for for the individuals. I would say. You know, because because ultimately, if we cumulatively all these kind of incidents, they 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 undermine. Um, we're growing now. The country is growing at almost what 0.9 percent. Um, basically, yes, less than in, one now. Less than one now. Mm -hmm. and, and you know, there's a positive correlation between this kind of stuff and and the extent to which the economy is growing, and and that's why professional bodies need to really act hard and harsh, mm. um, so that we're able to arrest these issues because um, we're not only undermining economic growth, but also in undermining, um, you know, the, the, the image of the country or the image of, of, of corporates. Yeah. Um, because these issues are intertwined. They're interlinked. Yes. Unemployment, poverty. Yes. Um, the money that was siphoned from VBS was meant to, to have addressed certain issues. Um, they have left multitude of people uh, uh, in, in a dark financial uh, strain. Some of the business, businesses have, have, have forced to close. Yeah. So I think at some point we really need to business as a whole appreciate the bigger picture as to mm. our deeds mm. as corporations as individuals, yeah. um, not only um, affect you know um, um, you know few individuals cumulatively. Mm. You know we're really messing up the country. True. We can't address unemployment. We can't address economic growth. We can't address all these macro issues when this kind of stuff over and over again, um, you know, are not really seen to be uh, progressing. Look at the two cases where the CFO, the CFO said no. The Plaza case, uh, the CFO, uh, Yvonne Page, said no, I'm not transferring the one billion rent. We could have lost that as well. In the Capricorn in, ca in case, uh, Mariette Fenter 
said no. So you see. And Suzanne Daniels. And Suzanne Daniels, yeah, you understand. So in this case, you need individuals that have integrity to say, look, no matter the pressure that I'm in, if this thing I find it to be um, illegal, I'm not doing it. But the consequences uh-huh, for being like been both of them were suspended. Yeah, it's been devastating. And that's a very hard decision to make yeah. for mm-hmm. anyone. Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. Um, Joanne Matheson and Justice Ndaba, once again, it has been a pleasure. How wish we could have more time um, to deliver on these issues because I think we, we, we really are able to nuance these issues. And whoever's listening to the show tonight, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that they, they were left somehow empowered in terms of really understanding you know, the, the ethical values that we need to entrench in our system. On that note, colleagues, have a good one. Thanks, Nambrand. Thank you, Doc. Thank you very much. Until we meet again, it has been an absolute pleasure.